would you please join me in prayer? Gracious Father, as we await again the celebration and the sharing of the good news of a child born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger, Lord, help us to see what we're waiting for. A child, yes, but more than that. Amen. How many times have you heard during this Advent season so far that Advent is a time of waiting? Yes? Christmas is almost here. Nine days away from it right now. There's a lot to do. Now, if you're the lady of the household, it begins to dawn on you, we have a large family coming in. And I haven't prepared much yet. There's nothing in the freezer. And you begin to get a little worried. Now, the men, it's a little bit different. It's nine days before Christmas. I have at least eight days before I have to pick something out for my wife. For whom are we waiting? For the children of Israel, the wait for a Messiah was long. It was hundreds of years. For us, you know, we're asked to wait uh, 20 minutes for the supper to be ready, and we get all worried about that. But for the children of Israel... I guess maybe they had begun to take for granted that maybe God meant something different. But when John the Baptist came on the scene, here was one that seemed to fit the necessary requirements. But John was very clear. I am not the Messiah. Well, John was arrested John was put in prison. And he sent some of his disciples to Jesus. And they asked Jesus, Are you the one we're waiting for? Are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one from God? And Jesus' answer was sort of different. He didn't give them a yes. He didn't give them a no. He rather said, go tell John not what I'm claiming, but what I'm doing. Go tell John what you see. You see God's love alive. You see things being done. The sick healed. And they did. Now, back in the dark ages, when I graduated from college in 1958, yes, there, there, for you young people, there really was a 1958 back then. There was born that same year in India a man, and uh, his name, and I have to look at it before I can even say it, Maharajai. He was worshipped 
by many people as being the Messiah. And if we were to ask him what he had done, he would say very clearly, I own 50, excuse me, 45 retreat houses here in the United States, plus more than that in other countries. I own a $40,000, excuse me, $400,000 estate in mansion in Malibu. I have a fleet of race cars and a fleet of limousines. Sounds a little bit different than what our Lord said, doesn't it? This man was um, uh, also deported from our country and uh, uh, he was proud of having uh, people uh, follow him that would pay for all of these luxuries with untaxed money. And then there was another Messiah that came up, Bhagavan Rajni. He was a guru. He had a community in um, Oregon. And uh, he raised untold amounts of money. But his own mother sued him to say he was not the Messiah. And they finally captured him trying to sneak out of the country. I think they captured him in North Carolina trying to get on a plane to leave with all of his money. Doesn't sound like the same answer that Jesus gave. And then there's the one we all remember, uh, Sun Young Moon. He enlisted teenagers to be panhandlers for him. And he still, or there are still people throughout the world, especially in Korea, that see him as the Messiah. Every year he teams up young men and young women and has a marriage service for hundreds of people at one time. Saves on minister's schedule, doesn't it, that way? But his, the monies he raised, accountants say, that there's no way we can tally them all up. And what does Jesus say? See what's happening to the sick. They're being healed. See that the poor are being fed. See that I'm about God's business. Jesus sort of always answered to another tune. What are, who are we waiting for? Are we waiting for another Messiah? The children of Israel waited for hundreds of years. And when John the Baptist came along, yes, they thought here was the Messiah. But he very clearly said no. Well, totally different answer than we'd get from any of these earthly messiahs. When the children of Israel were fleeing Egypt, they were told not to take a whole lot with them, take some bread and their staff and 
hit the road. But when they got out in the wilderness and Moses was called up on Mount Sinai to receive the, what we call the Ten Commandments, he was up there for too long a period of time. And so from the gold that had somehow or other made it out of Egypt with the people, they fashioned a golden calf to worship. Who are we waiting for? People wait in a lot of different ways. Some of them good, some of them maybe not so good. An elderly couple was looking for Christmas cards. And the lady found just the Christmas card, just the right picture. This is what I want to send out as a card. But I don't like what it has to say. And her husband looked at her and he said, well, it doesn't really make much difference. Nobody wants to read the message anyway. And unfortunately, that's how people do look at Christmas. We want the celebration. The church is packed by people who want to see the babe at Christmas time. But we don't want to see the rest of the story, the important part. There was a theologian. His name was Barclay, William Barclay. He lived at the end of the 1800s and into the early 1900s. And he tells about um, the town he lived in in Great Britain, Excuse me, at that time, I guess it was called England. I, I'm never certain when the name really changed. Um, and it was a town, and they had st streetlights, gas streetlights. And there was a man in his town that walked the main street of town, and he would go and he would light all of the streetlights, giving light to the people. And it wasn't for years or it was years before he finally found out that this man was blind. He was giving light to the people in the city, light that he never saw. Well, that's sort of the way John the Baptist was going to Jesus. John the Baptist preached a message of destruction and doom on those if they didn't repent. And he never saw the God of love because he never lived to see the cross. It's in the cross that God's love is really shared with us. Yes, we come to Christmas. We, we all want to celebrate the birth of the Christ child. The church is full on Christmas. But there are so many that don't want to see God's love really in action. Not on Christmas. This is the birth. But on Good Friday, when Jesus was nailed to a cross because he thought a whole lot about each one of you and me. He loved us so much that he took on human flesh 
to be nailed to a cross to pay for all the stupid things that Dick Match does. And I might say maybe the stupid things each one of you do. But that's God's love. That's what we're waiting for. That's the kind of Messiah that we're preparing for. A God who loves us. A God who is willing to die for us. A, guy who is, a God who is willing to take us by the hand and lead us as we walk our lives with Him. The wait is long. I know my wife got me up before 6 o'clock yesterday. I usually get up before 6 o'clock, but my wife doesn't get up at 6 o'clock. It was time that we had to bake something that she could only make if I was with her. So we had to do it before 6 o'clock in the morning. She's getting ready. But like each one of you, we know there's more to Christmas than that baking, than that gift buying, than me getting my wife that gift on Christmas Eve. There's God's love. That's what we're waiting for. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious Father, thank you. Thank you that you love a foolish sinner like each one of us, especially me. Walk with us, lead us, and when we need it, give us a pat on the hind quarter to remind us that you have a way for us to go. And that way is to show your Son to all the world. Lord, thank you for your love. Amen. Mm -hmm.